Welcome to the Transform Your Workplace podcast. I'm Brandon Laws, your host, and I got Paige Tamlin with me. This is round two. Round two. <laughs> like We're refining this. I uh, did not check the memory card in my handy digital recorder, so... Well, Paige, we're going to do this podcast again. Second time. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to be pros at it by this point. What's our topic for today, Paige? You brought me this and I I think it's going to be really exciting. So this conversation kind of came up when I was talking to. So I report to Lacey, who is another frequent guest of yours. I mean, we were talking about the kind of two schools of thought with how managers spend their time. So do you spend most of your time coaching your lowest performers, people who need the most feedback? Or do you spend your time with your kind of high potential rising stars? And there's kind of these two different schools of thought out in the business world right now of where you spend your time. So, And I think if I'm speaking for everybody, I think it seems like managers are spending more time with their weaker employees. That's kind of the traditional approach, right? And it seems when you think about it, the most logical approach, if you think about it, like this person needs the most help, I'm going to spend my time helping them. So I think there's implications though, then high performers feel neglected. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if you can improve your lower performers. Right. Maybe they're just in the wrong role. Maybe they don't have the right skills and maybe they're not willing and mm-hmm. able. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it all depends on what your lowest performers are struggling with, right? Are they things that can be coached or are they things that's like a learned behavior that is like not easy to unwind? Or are they not a good culture fit? Because as we all know, the culture fit thing, like if it's not a fit, you yeah. can't change it. Like that's just how they are. And so, and it's like right or wrong. It's just not a good fit. So those are the things you can't really change. But if they're, you know, like just kind of minor things or just trying to get, you know, through to how you guys run as a company, those are things that you can coach. But there are certain things that's kind of like, I hate to say it's a lost cause. It seems like a really bad <laughs> term. Oh, that's like, harsh. That's harsh. You know, like know. just being honest, right? Like at some point you just kind of throw in the towel and say, this isn't working. And, and honestly, a lot of times they feel it too. Like yeah, it, and I it's think just you, mutual. You're you like, put this in isn't. tons of time and energy into it, then at some point it could become a lost cause. So yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah. There's a quote that I found in an article that you sent me. The article is, this is why you should focus more on your top performers than your low ones. This is by Alex Paley. The quote says, we naturally want to invest resources into helping that person develop, but sometimes that investment can eat a disproportionate amount of our own time and energy, mm-hmm. end quote. And I think that's a valid point. We mm-hmm. own a finite amount of time as managers, as employees. And if you spend most of your time or all of your time with lower performers, then is that the best use of resources in terms of time? Right. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that I know the answer either. I mean, who knows the answer? I think you could find people on both sides of the argument that say, no, you should spend most of your time with your high performers. And no, you really do need to spend most of your time with your low performers. And I think it just depends on where all of your people sit and what they need as to where you should spend your time. But it, it might be different depending on your industry and your organization too, right? If you're a Fortune 500 company and you've got loads of people working for you, right? And it's like the low performers are probably going to either weed themselves out yeah, and self-select out. Maybe you should be spending all your time with high performers. I don't know. I mean... Well, like, okay, I'll go all the way to the foundational level. I'm a parent. I'm two kids, young age. I love that book, Mindset by Carol Dweck, and really talks about like focusing on the effort and rewarding effort and even strengths and things like that. So like when you're talking to a child, it's like, you want to reward the good behavior mm-hmm. and the effort that they're putting into it because they're more likely to want to keep doing that. Yeah. Versus if you give attention to like the, the, the things they're doing wrong, yes. I would imagine like, okay, an adult, 
if you focus on the low performers and the skills you don't have and the weaknesses, mm-hmm. my guess is it transformed the culture in a negative way mm-hmm. versus if you focused on high performance, new skills, learning, mm-hmm. development, all those things that mm-hmm. would develop and grow people. Well, yeah, it's an easy argument at that point, right? Yeah, it's the psychological response of if I do this, I get positive reinforcement that this was accepted and this was a good thing versus I did this thing and it doesn't get a good reaction or, you know, I'm being punished for it. So it goes back to I've done a lot of study. I did early childhood education through high school Mm -hmm. and college. And so there's that psychological response. And it's the same thing in the workplace, right? If I'm a manager and I'm rewarding somebody, even somebody else, if somebody who's a low performer sees me responding to somebody positively doing something, wouldn't they want that as well? Like, oh man, they got (laughs) recognized for doing this really awesome thing. I want a piece of that too. Yeah. To me, it seemed like if you focused on, to your point, like the other employees would naturally want to do that as well. Versus if you focused on the alternative, like Mm -hmm. I think it would damage the culture. And I think your top performers probably want to leave too. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, is how engaged are your top performers? If they're people who are super solid, maybe they've been with your organization for a while, they know the impact they're making, they hear it from people, they see it with their customers, whatever it is, and they're totally invested in it, they might not need as much time from you, just occasional, like some positive encouragement, like, thank you for just like, you know, getting down in it, grinding, doing your work, right? And that might be enough for them. But if they're the kind of person who needs constant, like positive reinforcement, and they're not hearing from you, They're turning around and saying, wow, this person who I acknowledge is maybe a low performer, right? Maybe they spend a lot of time like doing, you know, stuff for them too. That's like the worst, right? When they're like fixing a lot of their work and then they're seeing their manager spend all their time with that person. It's a crappy feeling probably, right? Like, ugh, they're spending all of their time with this person who, you know, maybe they know it's not a good fit. I think it's a two-way street when it comes to communication about what each other needs. So like as an employee or a high performer at that, I think the high performer needs to say like, hey, look, I need you to check in. I need you to publicly recognize me. Mm -hmm. I need you to spend time coaching and develop me in these areas because I feel like those are some areas I can improve on. I need Mm -hmm. you to tell me my blind spots. I need like tell me how I can grow myself. Both sides need to explain what they need from each other because they may simply want you to just leave them alone. It'd be totally simple. You could be overthinking it, right? And it's like, have you made that assessment of each member of your team and what motivates them? There's like a motivating factors sheet that you can, I'm sure you can Google it and figure it out. Most millennials are driven by money. Like, let's just throw (laughs) that out there. Like, we all know that. But there are other things. And praise. That's true. But (laughs) like, what kind of praise, right? Is it private? I am a person who is like words of affirmation. I love like handwritten notes. I love like a really nice email. I have an email. I have a folder in my Outlook that says like nice (laughs) things or like whatever. It just feel good, I think is what I've called it. And every time I get some kind of like positive reinforcement, encouragement, feedback, whatever it is, I drag it and I look it in there. We all got those. It's just like if I'm having a bad day, (laughs) I just look through it. I'm like, no, I'm doing okay. I'm having one bad day. But that might not work for somebody else who wants recognition in front of other people, who wants, you know, to be motivated some other way so if you're not making that individual assessment of your team you're kind of missing out on something. so i think it's the risk in in spending so much time with the lower performers is then 
if you're doing all that and not giving any praise or yeah. checking in, then it's going to be damaging. Well, and like, I'm sorry, how crappy is that of <laughs> you as a manager, right? Like, I think we've talked about this before. Like, nobody wants to micromanage. No. Nobody, like, do you get up in the morning and you're like, I know what I want to do today. I, I want to hover over people <laughs> and just make sure that they're doing everything. No, nobody wants what to do that. What a terrible use of time. Well, really? And it's like, so... Again, it's the two schools of thought. Do I want to spend all of my time micromanaging somebody who I just know the return on investment on that is not long term? Yeah. Or do I spend my time with my high performers, my rising stars, whatever it is that you've categorized them as? And we'll talk about that in a second, how you can you know, kind of yeah. group your people. But it's like, where do you want to spend your time? And it goes back to that psychological response of if I give positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. where is that going to get me? And I think like the bare minimum managers could do is let the star performers know what kind of contribution and impact they're making. Mm -hmm. Maybe they know about the contribution, but do they know what kind of impact it's making on the wider organization? Maybe they don't know that. And if they they have no visibility to that, and you do, if you're like a higher level person, you know, a senior leader in the organization, they probably don't know that, that this is the impact that they're having. So they can maybe take a guess. But have you told them? Yeah, I think that's bare minimum that managers mm-hmm. probably need to do in this case. So mm-hmm. talk about the nine box strategy. Yeah. Because of that, that's a really fascinating yeah. thing is that would tie in really well with this discussion. Yeah. The Lominger nine box, I think, has been around for quite some time. There's different kind of categories that you can put employees into in different like words, but most of them are, you know, pretty similar when you kind of look around. So it's basically a nine box chart and you can chart your group into basically like a potential assessment and a performance assessment from low, moderate and high. So you could have somebody who's considered like a rough diamond, who's maybe a low performer, but is high potential. And, to, you know, if you're sitting on the school of thought of like, maybe that's the person I need to spend the most time with because they do have the highest amount of potential yeah. and they just need a little bit of help. Or are they like a high performer, low potential? Like they're probably going to leave the organization at some point. So what am I going to do about that? Do I want to try and retain them? Or are they kind of like a talent risk? They're low performer, low potential. And I think historically, that's where most managers have spent their time is in that lower box. So it's a box and you can basically plot out everybody on your team in this matrix. And there's some action planning that you have to do once you've kind of plotted people out. But it's just kind of a visual for managers to say, okay, I've maybe got employees all over the place here and I need to figure out how to get them all into this one high performer, high potential category and keep them there. Yeah, I would imagine like once you start plotting people within these little boxes, Mm -hmm. you would probably know where to spend your time. Yeah. Because if you have somebody that's in that that red box for talent risk, Mm -hmm. there's no hope. They're low performers and they have no potential. So like, why would you want to spend all your time there? Well, and to me too, it's like, how long have they been there? Have they Uh, been in that box for nine months or have they been in that box for a month? Like, did they just move? Like, okay, what was the trigger point then that moved them? Or are they like midway between another box? You know, you might have some people that are right on the border and it's like, okay, I really need to focus my time on them because they're a risk for moving from one to the other, you Mm -hmm. know, and I need to lift them back up. So, yeah, but yes, they've been there forever. Yeah. This visual is really helpful. I imagine like the work comes into like, what's the action plan? Because Mm -hmm. if I have, some that are in the future star state, okay, they're moderate performers, but they have high potential. So I need to build an action plan that gets them to where they can be to meet their potential Yeah. versus like a consistent star, they're high performer and high potential. I don't know if that I need to spend a lot of time with them, but it's probably more words of encouragement and making sure that I'm checking in and coaching them to keep achieving what they're achieving. Well, and do like, do they know that they're in that box? 
right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You are a high it. performer, a high potential person. And I want to make sure that you know that. Hmm. And what can I do to make sure that that doesn't change? You know, sometimes it's having a very frank conversation. Yeah. Paige, you're a talent risk. You're a low performer and low potential. <laughs> maybe, I... like, maybe don't use those words if you've got somebody <laughs> in the low category. Yeah. But I mean, to your point, though, if they are a high potential, high performer, maybe they already know that, too. Yeah, but maybe. it's just like you said, it's the little words of encouragement. Like, thank you so much for just like getting down to it and just, you know, grinding every day. And I just really appreciate how much you do for us. Could yeah. just be really as simple as that. Well, this is a fun discussion. I think it's something that we should talk about more often mm -hmm. about how we're spending our time with employees. I'm curious to know what listeners think too. Like, are you spending more time with your lower performers, your higher performers? Have you even thought about it? Yeah. Maybe you're not even aware of how you're spending your time. So be curious to know what mm -hmm. you're doing. So reach out to me on LinkedIn or, or Twitter or Instagram, one of those things. I'd love yeah. to, to start the conversation. Paige, thanks for coming on. Anything else that me. we should know about with this? No, I'm super curious to know what people are doing out there. I think, you know, the schools of thought are so vastly different. I will be curious to see. So hopefully we can get a little discussion going. So we'll have a good day, Paige. Thank you. Thank you.